This podcast is for those of you who want to start or grow your business. You inhale everything you can about improving your mindset and may even have the action plan, but what's getting in your way every time? It's those damn human emotions. I'm Jessica Lee McKinley, life coach for millennial entrepreneurs and your host of the What's Happening podcast. Hello, Hapsters. Welcome back. Are you enjoying summer 2.0? Summer where I said last episode that we're trying to fit two summers into one summer. Are you guys doing that too? Or are you slowly getting back to social life after a year off? (laughs) I know it's people are either in one camp or the other. You're either like, okay, I need to ease my way back into having plans all of the time. And then others of us, myself included, are like, okay, we need to make up for all the plans that we had lost. So I'm in the middle of that. As you can hear with my voice, I don't know, my voice just keeps going in and out because I'm just going, going, going and I'm loving it. And I do have, I have worked in some rest. Um, In fact, this morning I delighted in staying in my bed until 845. I wasn't sleeping, but I just stayed in there and decided I'm not going to do anything this morning. It was so lovely and I really needed it because last week I was in uh, Lake Cayuga Lake up in the Finger Lakes in upstate New York and it was so beautiful. It was really lovely. I went with my boyfriend's family for their family reunion. It was the 100 year anniversary of the house that his great grandfather built with his hands. It's just how cool is that? So, um, yeah, it was really nice. It was nice. I was, I was working up there a little bit, coaching the hapsters and then had the weekend. Um, Calvin was there. We were all just playing in the water, doing a whole lot of nothing, playing some Yahtzee. Oh, it's just so great. And now I have this week at home and, and on Saturday we leave to go to Long Beach Island, the Jersey Shore with my family um, for a week and it's just the summer of all the plans. So anyway, I'm excited to bring you part two of last week's episode on the six ways that we can master and engage with money. And we only covered two of the ways because we needed to lay some groundwork for you to understand kind of what I mean when I say that there are six different ways to master money. And then we're going to just dive into the uh, the remaining four ways. They're all so good. I can't wait for you to hear. But before we do, as you know, we got to shout out the Hapster of the Week. And this week's Hapster of the Week is Natalie Wanger. Natalie is not only a Hapster and a client, but she's also my bookkeeper. I believe I've mentioned her name once or twice on here. Um, on the podcast just because my business has really made a tremendous shift since hiring her. Um, She and I have co-created a way of doing bookkeeping so that it is both uh, delivering me all of the numbers that I need to understand about what I've done in my business up until this point so I can make decisions for the future, but then also finding a future-focused way to tie in uh, my goals and my actuals so that she can also report to me what where I'm at on my future goals as well as um, what I would need to do this week in order to hit those numbers. Just makes 
showing up as a business owner so much cleaner because we can make still do what I help you guys do, which is build your future from the future, but with real numbers. We don't avoid numbers. Um, and Natalie is the hapster of the week because since we have kind of developed this and she's been doing it for me, she was like, you know what? I love doing this work. I would love to do this for other women business owners. She she works for Marriott and she is a an exceptional you know, member of their, their finance team over there. Um, and she's worked there forever, but she really is passionate about seeing the tangible results about what happens in a small business when you do have these numbers and the math super, super clean. For me, my business pretty much doubled the month that she started working for me. It was so easy for me to make decisions when Natalie was just giving me all of the filling in all of the question marks that were really there for a long time in my business. And uh, now she has started to do some of those things for some of the hapsters. And it is like been a watching an avalanche, but in a good way. What's the, what's the positive version analogy of an avalanche when it just builds momentum so quickly that you can barely keep up? People are finding this incredible secret that I've had that is Natalie and going crazy for it. Her services are kind of different than anyone's, any accountant or bookkeeper that you have seen out in the market. It's just such a unique way to present numbers and it is more than just that boring accountant stuff that you want to do last it's the part of your business you want to do first in your week it's so fun and so it's been really fun to watch natalie go from kind of developing this program with me to testing it out with other hapsters to really being in such demand right now that she can barely keep up so i'm so proud of you natalie just really for betting on herself you need to go and follow her on instagram her instagram is natalie wanger n-a-t-a-l-i-e-w-a-i-n-g-e-r and her her sentence in her bio on her instagram is when wait hold on let's make sure i get it correct. I don't want to butcher this because it's so good. If I'm betting on myself, then I completely double down. And I love it. It's just exactly the type of person I want working for me and the type of person that just represents the Hapster name so well. Um, When we are going in on ourselves, shouldn't we all be doubling down? It's it's so, so inspiring. So thank you, Natalie, for first of all, creating the amazing program that allows my business to thrive, but also for sharing this gift with all of the hapsters. So if you are in need of a bookkeeper, this sounds really interesting to you. Reach out to Natalie over there on Instagram, or you could reach out to me and I'll, I'll pass over her email with her permission. And then, yeah, eventually we're going to have to be growing out Natalie's team so that she can make sure that she can keep up with the demand and so that you guys can really get this incredible, incredible aspect to your business. Okay, without further ado, let us jump in to the third way that you can master and engage with money, which is spending. Ah, so good. I love to spend money. (laughs) But a, a lot of us, we like to spend money in the before part, like when we're thinking about what we want to spend money on. And then in the during where we're like, yeah, give it to me, cha-ching. But then do we 
also feel as amazing about spending after the fact? Do you get spending hangovers? (laughs) And if that's the case, I just think that this is such an important thing for you to understand. We want to make sure that spending feels good both before, during, and after. Money in itself is a currency. And the word currency comes from the word current, which, like water, means it's meant to be moving. Spending gets a bad rap, but that's because people tend to think of spending and saving actually as an either-or situation. And I'm here to tell you that that's optional. I prefer to look at money holistically and practice engaging with it in all six ways regularly. And so you can both be practicing spending and saving when you're doing it at the same time. When your money comes in, when you earn money and you dedicate intentionally in advance the money that you're going to spend and the money that you're going to save. And um, the budgeting tool that we use and that I train people on, uh, you need a budget that's where we do all of that those decision makings because when you make those decisions in advance you're using the part of your brain that you can trust your prefrontal cortex we want to make sure that you're spending it feels good afterwards and the best way to know that is by using the part of your brain that is that you can only access when you're making a decision more than 24 hours in advance. This is the same part of your brain that you use to meal prep, right? And to make the decision, okay, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to eat some fruit for breakfast instead of pancakes, or I'm going to have, you know, uh, some chicken and broccoli instead of having a cheeseburger with bacon, whatever it is. So, um, and again, I'm just making this up. I don't know what particular diet you want, you are on if you're on keto. Maybe a cheeseburger with bacon is the thing you're meant to eat. But what I'm saying here is that we want to make sure that we're making these decisions in advance so that we can trust that we're not just making the decision that is the most comfortable for us, the easiest for us, the one that's going towards pleasure and not actually towards our long-term well-being. So I prefer... Spending, it goes in the A line of the model, right? It's an action. So it's important for us to always be aware of the model that's causing us to spend and then see what it's creating, right? We need to know what feeling are you feeling when you spend? And then conversely, on the opposite end of the action, once you spend, what result is being created? The most common reason we abuse our spending is when we confuse the model. We spend, we take that action to feel better. Remember, our results do not create our feelings and our actions do not create our feelings. The deeper that we understand this, it's the easier it is to spend in a more intentional and balanced way instead of spending on false pleasures and instant gratification. The ultimate goal is to feel amazing, like I said, before, during, and after all purchases. And you're going to get there very soon, and it's going to be amazing. So here are your spending goals. We want to budget before spending, where we're deciding with our prefrontal cortex. We want to, number two, delay spending gratification. We ask ourselves, can this wait? And then really listen to what comes up. Is it, does it feel like we're in a rush to spend? Why could we wait or why not? And do you like those reasons? Number three, 
match your spending with your values. So it, I like to think of things always in, in terms of ratios. I, I think of everything I do with my time or my energy or my money in like a giant pie chart. Are, does the way the categories, the umbrella categories that you're spending in, whether it's short-term expenses, short-term um, savings, or long-term expenses, long-term savings, whether it's just for fun or whether it's health or whether it's, you know, home fixed expenses, whether it's in your brain, whether it's on your family, is the amount that you're spending not on any one individual pur- purchase, but in that whole category is that percentage of the pie truly what you want to be spending on when I when I first look at people's budgets in the beginning and don't worry (laughs) there's no judgment here but we do have a little laugh because all of us including myself when I first started budgeting I looked and I was like wait a second why is there a percentage of my money going to Starbucks and bagels (laughs) It was like I couldn't even fully understand how much money I was spending on things that were frivolous and not truly important to me, but just things that I liked. Didn't mean I want to cut it out altogether, but it meant like, okay, I want to max be spending $30 on Starbucks and coffee. For some of you guys, that might be a lot. And for some of you, that might sound ridiculous. But for me, that, that was appropriate. And at one point... When I wasn't monitoring it, I was spending upwards of $100 on lattes and whatnot. And the fourth thing is we want to know your spending numbers. So that kind of goes hand in hand here. When If you have a budget and you understand not just what you've decided in advance that you're going to spend, but then your actuals as well. At the end of the month, are you really looking at, okay, wh- did I meet these goals? Did I exceed in what categories? One of the best resources I have is you need a budget as in hat because it helps me to not have to look at it every single day and like go through the whole thing it will point out in colors where I went over in my categories and it'll show me in numbers kind of how much and you know if I have set a goal that's longer than a month let's say for the year I want to be spending a certain amount and I went over the average this month, it'll automatically show me next month how much I can spend to still be on track for my goal for the year. Um, So I really love that. That can be really helpful. Now let's dive into the fourth way to uh, engage with money, which is investing. Investing is a fun way to engage with money. Now in order, it's it you have to engage with it now in order to take care of, improve, or expand what's possible for your future. And investing is something hapsters are already skilled at, simply because they understand the most important financial investment in your brain. How do I know? Because they invested in coaching, right? But the more you practice building your future from your future, the more connected you're going to feel now to your future. And then the easier it'll be to focus your brain on the value of investing today instead of, let's say, spending or, you know, saving for a specific thing or giving your money away. There's great, all of these ways are six great ways to engage, but we just want to make sure that we are showing up in a balanced way and we can feel connected to and practice all six of them. 
Investing is a way of trading money for future value, often in more dollars and more value, but sometimes for something else of value. Here's some examples of non-direct money return investments, monetary return investments. Life coaching, money for emotional well-being. A fitness trainer or nutritionist, money for physical health. Couples therapy, money for connection and understanding. Hiring staff in your business, money for time. Pro or, uh, professional organizer or a housekeeper or a chef, money for also for time, maybe for clarity, maybe for a skill or a, uh, something more better health or something that you yourself are not an expert in, right? Money for the sake of money is really boring in my opinion. Money is a tool. It's a tool for creation. And when you invest it properly, you can use it to create the life and business of your dreams. So here are some of your investing goals that I suggest you take a look at. Number one, invest in brain slash slash skills regularly, okay? Coaching, personal development, skills, trainings, retreats, especially if you are a business owner, your, your business is never going to outgrow your personal growth, your brain's development. So it's really important for you to make sure that you're investing not just your time, but your money there as well, um, so that you are guaranteed a return. Um, number two, invest a minimum of 20% profits back into your business. And I actually think this is kind of low in the very beginning when you're scaling your business in the first year or so, I recommend investing a minimum of a hundred percent of your profits back into your business because you want to think of it kind of the same way as you would, a, a farmer or like a crop or, or a garden. If you are, you know, planting a seed and then you're sharing standing there waiting for it to sprout and the first thing that sprouts up you you pick the leaves off it's not going to flourish it's never going to get to that place where it is a full plant that has other seeds that it can reproduce itself that it's going to really flower i'm, I'm not, this was not a great analogy for me i do not have a green thumb <laughs> but i have a green brain okay um and number three regularly contribute or invest into your future. So some examples of this are a 401k, but most of us are entrepreneurs. So instead, it might look like a, an IRA or a Roth IRA, uh, putting money into mutual funds. That's one of my favorite ways to regularly invest in my future because um, you know I'm just consistently showing up and using the power of compound interest and putting it into the stock market in a way that doesn't really require me to be an expert and know okay which stocks are hot right now it's just a diversified um, collection of stocks so for those of you that are like oh yeah I know I should invest and that would be good but I don't know anything about it you can literally pick a mutual fund and contribute to it reg regularly and it will grow even if the uh, stock market dips at any point. Just continuously pour into there and then do not even look at it. <laughs> um, real estate is another way to invest in your future. Uh, there are some life insurance benefits that are not tied to uh, the stock market that are another diversified way for you to be able to invest into something that's both 
beneficial now and then also later if you don't end up needing the life insurance which hopefully you will not you can just pull it out and you can use it as part of your retirement Um, stocks bonds you know businesses you can invest into other businesses etc you want to make sure that you're investing and contributing to your future in one of these long-term ways regularly number four is hire for your lowest producing activities for me the first thing i hired for was a virtual assistant and she just kind of did a little bit of everything that i knew was not going to be my strongest area (laughs) like where it would take me a long time to go through and add these things up and and go back into my emails and find this particular thing she was doing those things Um, and it gave me the time that I needed back in the brain space I needed back to go out there and coach go out there and sell go out there and market and then five invest in potential clients This to me is like my secret sauce. I am constantly investing into potential clients. When I say that, I mean like all of my clients are female business owners. So I support female businesses around me. I don't put the pressure on them and expect that any one investment is going to return in a one-to-one trade for a client. No, I just go out there and invest with an abundant mindset. And even if that one person that I'm supporting doesn't end up becoming a client, you can better believe that it always returns in some amazing way. Sometimes it's a referral. Sometimes this business is successful in my community and then my community benefits. Sometimes it's in a way that's so abstract that you can't even really see it. You just have to trust that it is happening around you. Such a fun way to engage with money. All right, let's talk about the next way. Number five, having money. I put up a poll last week on my Instagram to see kind of which which areas people could use more help investing in. And I put it up in these ways. I put it up spending versus savings and uh, most people, it was that one was the closest one, but it was slightly people needed a little bit of help doing a better job spending. Um, the second one was, uh, oh no, earning. It was sorry, yeah, earning versus investing, right? And a lot of people said they would like help investing. Some people said earning as well, and then having versus giving. It was outrageous. Most people said that they struggled the most out of all six areas with having money. Simply once they get it, just having it and not spending it. Remember, in the the investing brain candy, when I said money for the sake of money is boring, well, there is an exception. There's a caveat to that. While earning, saving, and investing money are clearly skills, having money is a less recognized skill. I want you to have the joy of developing this skill. Sometimes the reason we don't have a lot of money is because we're under earning. Other times it's because we're overspending. But either way, the actions of under earning and overspending are both driven by our emotions and ultimately our beliefs about why we can't, shouldn't, or are better off trading away our money. And this is a really advanced concept, but it's good to be aware of before or while you're earning in excess of your comfort zone. Because if we don't have clean thoughts that allow us to simply have money, our brain is going to quickly urge us to spend it or 
once we start earning beyond that capacity, we're going to slow down our earning and actually under earn beyond our capacity if we're not continuously stretching ourselves to stay uncomfortable and continue to earn beyond what we have previously ever been comfortable earning. This is a concept that I learned years and years ago, probably the very first personal development book I ever read, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. I learned about financial thermostats. And it's it's a range, both the minimum and maximum, of money you're comfortable spending, saving, having, or giving, really any of the any of the ways that you can engage with money. You need to be willing to experiment and challenge your normal and then raise your thermostats, not just in saving and spending, but in having too. Do you have an idea of the number that you're comfortable having in your bank account? For some of us, it may be $10,000. For others of us, it might even just be zero. You might just need to not be in the red for you to feel somewhat comfortable. It is crazy. It doesn't really, the number doesn't matter. It matters what thought we have about it. Oh, if I have 10,000, I'm safe. Or, oh, as long as I'm not in the red, I'll figure it out. And what I want to challenge you to do is to question this and to never really have just one number, but have a goal of constantly growing and exceeding what you're willing to have and what you're willing to give and what you're willing to save and spend and all of it. So that as you grow your money, you're able to increase and master your practice of all of the ways that you engage with it. Super fun. A huge part of this is knowing your numbers. If you don't know what you're earning, what you're spending, what your expenses are, what your profit or revenue is, it's difficult to just simply have money. You need a budget, like I mentioned a million times before in this episode, is an amazing tool for understanding your spending, which will contribute to your having. But you need to also track your earnings. And this is especially important for businesses with less predictable income or for seasonal industry businesses. Tracking your earnings against your goals is going to increase your capacity to have. Okay, so if you don't have a goal right now for what you would like to have in your bank account, what you would like to earn, what you would like to save, what you would like to spend, if you don't have goals for all of those, and if you just have a goal for one, you're way more likely to hit your goal for what you would like to spend on or how much you would like to save than you are for how much you would like to have. And I know sometimes you're probably like, well, what's the difference between saving and having? One of them, you know, saving might be easier to do when you're just saving for a specific thing that eventually you're going to spend on. But what I'm talking about with having is kind of just the idea of simply having money for a little bit of time until it starts to feel like your new normal. And that is a little bit different because there might not be a goal or a material thing or anything attached to it. It's just to get you to stretch your comfort zone without starting to be compulsive about um, trading your dollars for an experience or a designer bag or whatever your, your particular thing is, or even just giving it away. Okay. Um, 
like I said, cr- tracking against your goals is really important. So make sure you have a goal um, and that will increase your capacity to have. Creating and having money with the intention of being an example of what's possible will also increase your capacity to have. That was such a game changer. My my coach, Brooke, says that, that all the time, you know, that she lives her life with a purpose of being an example of what's possible. And she just says it so eloquently. And then I had a similar uh, mission statement before I discovered Brooke, and it was just to to show people what it meant to live a big life. And because I desire that is like my life's purpose and my my company's mission, I know that having more money it, with the intention of showing other people that it's possible to have all of this money and not just to spend it or not just to invest it or save it or give it away, but to do all six of them shows other people that it's possible to just have it. And what... <laughs> Literally, someone was coaching at me the other day in this Facebook group, and she was like, oh, I, I posted about hitting a goal because it's a group of life coaches, and our goal in there is to share our, our business side of it and our revenue and all that. I shared a goal, and she was like, what did you do to celebrate? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I I sent gifts to my team, and I uh, did one other thing that was just like, I'm constantly celebrating. And I just had an amazing reflective conversation with my boyfriend. And she was like, yeah, but what did you do for you? And I was like, I just, I, I got present in the moment. And then I carried on because this is just the beginning. And she couldn't get over it. She was like, yeah, but you should do something for you. Even it's, if it's to buy yourself a this or buy yourself a that. And I was like, respectfully, like, no, thank you. Because my capacity at this point to have is so great that I don't need to spend. I don't associate spending money with celebrating anymore. I associate my willingness to just have the money and sit there with it as a way to celebrate. Now, of course, I'm constantly celebrating. Emotionally, celebrating is is really an emotion. And I it doesn't require too much action. But like I I I thought this was really interesting because I think a lot of times we think once we hit a financial goal, we should buy ourselves something or do something. And yeah, I'm doing those things too. I budgeted towards really fancy windows for our new house, for our sunroom. And I'm excited about that. But I'm not eager to go out and spend money today just for the sake of it. And I thought that that was such a shift. I'm so proud of myself for getting to this place where I can simply have money. The more of it I make, the less compulsive I feel to spend because I'm not trying to find a feeling. I just already have created this business with that feeling. Such an empowering way to do it. Okay, so let us talk about your goals and then let's dive into the last last form of money mastery. Number one, have a meticulous budget, right? Personal and business. This is a non-negotiable. And if you're not in happening sessions, you need to get in there. We clean up your budget so that it is just so clear all of the decisions that you need to make next. We're not making them emotionally. Number two, have clear separation between your personal and your business money, whether it's a separate account or whether it's just in the way that you're tracking it. 
Number three, hire an accountant and a bookkeeper. Like I put this off for so long and hiring Natalie has been the best thing I ever did. So hire Natalie. (laughs) Um, Number four, know your business numbers. So not just your revenue, which is what most people tell me, but what is your profit? What is your year-to-date earnings, your goals, your current balances, your expenses, etc.? It'll help you have. And five, know your personal numbers. Know your account balances, your credit score, your credit card balance, your budget. We don't hide from numbers. When we see the numbers, it allows us to stand there and be there and make smart decisions. Okay. Finally, let's talk about giving. I love co-mingling giving with each of the other five ways to engage with money because it naturally elevates your capacity to earn, your capacity to spend, invest, and save and have. So I came up with seven thoughts that I wanted to offer you to practice these thoughts that will allow you to elevate those capacities. Number one, the more I earn money, The more money I earn, the more I can give. Two, I love to spend money, give money to companies, makers, business owners that share my values. Number three, I love contributing to our economy by spending. Number four, I love investing in women-owned businesses that inspire me and make an impact. Number five. I love saving for my future so that I can leave a legacy for my family and give back to causes in an outrageous and impactful way. Number six, the more money I earn, the greater possibility others will see for themselves, especially moms, single moms, and women. By earning, I'm giving permission, possibility, and paving the way for others. Number seven, Giving and receiving are two sides of the same coin. I love these thoughts and I these are my own personal thoughts that I practice regularly and they've been so helpful for me to move forward and really take tons of action because when I bring everything back to giving, it just feels so good. Earning is not different than giving. Spending is not different than giving. Saving is not different than giving. It's connected, right? The same way a river is connected to an ocean. The current and the the current moment that you're in and that you're engaging with money is when you're zoomed in. But when you zoom out, it's all related. And when you have that vision, that clear vision, it helps you to make all of these ways of engaging with money, a beautiful and regular occurrence. I feel so passionate about that last thought of giving and receiving our two sides of the same coin. In fact, so passionate that I co-founded a company called Moguls of Infinite Opportunity to teach the seven giving principles that my co-founder Daphne and I practiced to start and grow our own businesses. Giving, Giving is not something that you have to be rich to do. Nor is it something that we ever have to do at the expense of ourselves. And I think that that's really important. A lot of people use giving as a way to be a martyr for some things. Like, I'd rather give than earn. Give than save. Give than spend. It's not an either or situation. It's a both. Giving is not sacrifice. The same way receiving is not taking. 
giving and receiving are an equal exchange, but the how and when is the universe's job. The balancing, that is not your responsibility. So here are your goals for giving. Number one, be generous with money, never out of obligation and never followed by scarcity. Number two, donate, give, and invest regularly in the causes that are important to you. Because if you're not doing this now before you have lots of money, then as you create lots of money, I promise you're not going to give in the most impactful ways that you want to. You're not going to give a million out of 10 million if you can't give a dollar out of $10. Something Tony Robbins said a long time ago that really stuck with me. Number three, give and receive money with equal measures of ease and joy, both giving and receiving. Number four, earn, spend, and save money as a form of giving the world, women, your family, an example of what's possible. And of course, men too. I have a son. I love the idea of him just basking in the glory that is the current and exchange and engaging of money. But for me, as a female business owner and in my own journey, I just know that I'm extra passionate about helping women see what's possible for them because historically, we don't have too many examples of women who talk about money openly, who engage with money with zero apology, okay? And that is my purpose here for you guys. This is why I did a two-part episode on all of this so that you can see what's possible and you can go out there and kick some fucking ass. All right, you guys have a beautiful, beautiful week. Oh, 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 oh,